may not have a film fixation, but we're here for a noir education. Beebidi-boo, doot-doodle-doo, deebidi-pow. Welcome to A Real Education Noir. I am Melissa, and I am joined today by... Barb! Barb is here Whee! from the regular Real Education. Ooh. I'm slowly infesting everything. <laughs> That's fantastic. And you saved my bacon today because both uh, Tanya and Allie are sick today. And so they have to miss out on this spectacular film, which is called Berlin Express. So, Barb, what do you know about Berlin Express? Uh, It's a noir film. (laughs) Good good guess. Good guess. And you said that it uh, was filmed in uh, somewhere in Germany. Yes. Yes. That's, that's my knowledge yeah. of uh, the movie. So. Yes, and give, given that uh, it's called Berlin Express, yes, it, it actually was filmed in Germany. It was filmed in 1938. It's a movie made by Jacques Turner, who is the guy who made Cat People, okay. one of the other uh, kind of hallmarks of early noir and horror. Mm. Um, it, he, yeah, dear listeners, uh, if you remember our Out of the Past episode, uh, it's the same director. And this this film is kind of unique in that... Well, there's no such thing as kind of unique. It's unique in that <laughs> they they really used post-war Germany. They were the first um, film that was given permission to film in the Russian zone of oh, Berlin. Uh, they're they're in Frankfurt and you know several areas of Germany where uh, it was really really badly hurt mm. by the bombings in Germany, and so the. Just for the setting alone, it's fascinating. Yeah, the film also includes a uh, no he- really huge name actors, uh, two Americans, but the cast is made of several uh, excellent actors from America and England and France and Germany, and so it's a very international cast. Back okay. before that was really a thing. Yeah, and it's. Um, a really interesting look at, at post-world, post-war Berlin. Okay. So I've been, I've been aching to show it to people. And so, dear listeners, um, it's this is a movie where um, I know it's available through Warner Archives. It's uh, available through a few streaming services. It, it might uh, take a little bit of work to track down, but it's it's cheap to buy and and it can be had. You can watch it <laughs> and please do because it's very very interesting. So, Barb, we are going to go watch the movie, and listeners, please do so yourself, and we will be back after this brief musical interlude. Dun, dun, Welcome back to Barb. What did you think of Berlin Express? Uh, it was really good. I wasn't, I, I'll be honest, I wasn't mm-hmm. totally sure what to expect. I, um, mm-hmm. I, I'm i not familiar with what exactly makes a film part of the, quote, noir genre. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't totally sure. I was like, I don't know if this is going to be something I enjoy. But I really liked it. Excellent. It was, 
I feel like there's a lot of movies that I run into, whether they're super good or just really crappy, because I love the whole spectrum of movies, mm-hmm. um, where it's like, oh, I can see this coming as a bait and switch, or this is what's going to happen, this is blah, blah, blah. And in my mind, I kept trying to go, what's going to happen next? And I couldn't, I couldn't figure it out. Like, there was enough everything happening and going on that it wasn't like, a, oh, yeah, so this is what will happen, then this person will do that, and then that's how it'll end up, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really enjoyed that fact of it, that it sort of kept me on my toes and, and stuff like that. But there was still enough, like, kind of that bait and switch and cloak and dagger going on mm-hmm. that made me go, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> this nice twisty turny. Yes. Ooh. And there was some, there. I mean, like cinematically there was just some really cool things like Mm -hmm. i mentioned the elevators that they have which were really awesome because they're just like continually going only (laughs) only space for two people and it's just sort of like you step in and then you you it doesn't stop and keeps going and i was like that'd be so fun it's a totally vertical escalator yes 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 (laughs) uh paternoster lifts that's what they're called Mm. they're uh you don't see them very often even in movies of that era but it's uh i there's the only other movie I can think of that shows them, God, I think it's either The Omen or uh, The Abominable Dr. Fives, you know, I'm like digging, <laughs> digging real deep here. But uh, yeah, yeah, the, the uh, Paternoster lifts were, lifts were actually part of that building, so they just use them. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, it, but the it's a, it's a fun little movie. Uh, any other thoughts? Um. I really enjoyed how at the very beginning when they were, even like when they were just introducing it, it was like, here's, you know, the stars. And then it goes straight into like the um, actually filmed on premise and by permission by the armies of occupation for America and the British and Russia. And I was Mm -hmm. just like kind of giggling inside because I was like, they actually (laughs) have to put that in there because it's, you know, like the 40s and stuff. Mm -hmm. And because they couldn't be there because it was still so everything new and going on so i just sort of, i i appreciated that mm-hmm. i mean there's a bunch of different stuff so uh i mean there was a bomb on a train mm-hmm. which uh was very nicely contained to just this very small <laughs> like three by five <laughs> space that, that was an exceptionally well-contained bomb and i was yeah. just like that's because I, I was like in my mind if i'm an assassin and i'm trying to take somebody out i'm not going to just take that one person out i'm going to take like the whole entire train car out mm-hmm. because then it's not like i'm going after the one specific person it's i'm taking everybody out and you guys get to try to figure out why i killed who i killed like that's if if i said if i'm not actually an assassin i want to just i just want to say that spoken like an american who loves the explosions (laughs) that was a very european explosion right just Uh, very dainty exactly exactly (laughs) i loved the one guy who was carrying around the piece of paper and he was like look what i have it's signed by hitler yes and I was just like, I don't, I don't, I guess, um, I wouldn't consider that something that I'd be like, wanna, hey guys, you want to see what I picked up? <laughs> and then when somebody else tried to sell him the exact same one and he was like, I'm sure mine's real, right? Which one's the forgery? And it was just like, <laughs> they're probably all forgeries. Probably. Probably. <laughs> there, there are so many little wonderful little things yes. that are just detailing life in this 
really weird mm-hmm. time in a really odd place. Yeah, I, they because yeah. like, like they mentioned like the bulletin boards of like yeah. the displaced people and like how and I was I, I you know like they they showed it a couple different times and it was just like. Or, or the guy in the nightclub who's recycling the unused cigarettes and re-rolling them. It's just like a throwaway shot. Yeah. And when you realize that's what he's doing, he's just picking up all the the abandoned cigarettes and mm-hmm. re-rolling them into new cigarettes. Well, even and like... It, and it's made into like a little plot point. You know, they grab the monogram. Yeah. The... And like, there's even the one kid who he takes like two puffs and then throws it on the ground and then somebody runs over and, and you know... You puts it out it really and, quickly yeah. and then like puts it and is like okay i can you know barter with this or sell it or do whatever i need to do because it was still a fairly you know decent sized cigarette so it was like yeah those those tiny little things that mm-hmm. really add to the yeah yeah and they're and they're using the real locations um if like uh like i said the, those patent officer lifts are part of the ig farben building which mm-hmm. was um uh when Frankfurt was bombed, the U.S. deliberately left that building standing because it said, hey, that would be a good HQ. Which is so crazy because, yeah. like, when you see them driving, it's everything's, like, basically destroyed. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, we're going to cross a street and we have this perfectly good building still standing mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. with maybe a couple, like, glass windows that are gone. But I was just yeah. like, the the thought and like the okay nope you can't aim for it you like just to make sure that it's still like the number of people that needed to be told yep don't aim for that that's the safe <laughs> space well it's it, it, it at the time it was built i think it was like the largest office building in europe so it was probably pretty obvious it's like don't don't hit that one go ahead and take care of everything around it but not that one because we could use that it's apparently still around as part of the University of Frankfurt. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if they still have the lifts in it. I think they do. Oh my God. Let's go to Germany. Yeah. I let's go to Germany, Barb. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> let's do it. Let's do it. The, the, the Berlin Express tour of Germany. We'll just go to Frankfurt and Berlin. Sounds good to me. <laughs> All right. Uh, but I think if I remember right, the, um, oh, one of the, the that, uh, the, the spot where they go into the brewery that's in the basement, mm. that really was a real location. I don't know if they actually really? filmed there, but it was uh, bombed out. There's a bombed out building where they uh, they pretty much destroyed the upper part, but the brewery underneath was fine. So it was repurposed during Crazy. post-war. Yeah. 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 It's pretty wild. Or, you know, like the Alden Hotel, which they feature in the, the final shots of the movie where they're going through Berlin and doing this totally noir-esque uh, narration. Berlin. <laughs> Just a shadow of it once was, or whatever the whole... 15 miles thing. on the... Yeah. The, whatever that road is. The All the trees have been have been borrowed for firewood. You know, that sort of thing. Uh, but yeah, that uh, the Alden Hotel was... Uh, uh, was one of the few buildings that survived that bombing pretty well. You know, like the, you can see in the movie, it's all bricked off for the first mm-hmm. for the first floor to make it a little bit more resilient. But it was repurposed as a field hospital for a while. It was Ooh. then like destroyed by fire, and then <laughs> you know, like the Russians set it on fire, and then it was 
taken over by East Germany, and then you know, event it's a, it's demolished now. And, oh, but of course. like a new hotel has been put in the place, like modeled on the original one, so it's kind of oh, okay. still around. But there, there's all sorts of stuff in the movie where you see all these sites that are, you know, historically significant. You know, they're mm-hmm. still part of the cities even today in in their own way and uh yeah it's it's fascinating but to see just the destruction yeah that was one thing like when they started like doing stuff in the city and it wasn't like you know the on the train or anything like that i at one point in time i was watching them as they were like running through stuff i was just like i wonder what it would be like in color because it's from the 40s so you know the film's black and white but i was like i want like and i still feel like it would be very gray even if it was in color but i was just like i wonder what it would actually look like like what it actually looked like back in the 40s Mm -hmm. and uh, yeah but it's so great black and white though that that black those black and white shots are so sexy at some points um merle oberon who is the the leading lady uh, she was married to the cinematographer who worked on this. Oh, really? This film, and uh, he he just really went. You can tell he's like, oh, this shot. Like I'm in the bottom of this this big kettle of beer. I'm gonna shoot right up through the holes in the roof, and there's a bad guy up there. God, that's sexy. <laughs> or just kind of the, this weird love affair with all these bombed out and crumbling yeah. buildings, and oh, it's just it's amazing. Or even that shot where they walk into the room and you see the shadow of the dangling feet of the guy who's been hanged Ugh. and just it, it's almost it's almost over the top how noir this oh, yeah? this you know just like the trappings of noir that this movie just lunges for every once in a while like there's not just one creepy clown there's two clowns <gasps> they turn into dead clowns and just <laughs> it, it noir so hard has two dead clowns it's amazing. But uh, yeah, since uh, since you said you weren't terribly familiar with noir, and um, we kind of go into this every so often on this this podcast, just because it's um, you know new people coming in mm-hmm. off the podcast, and it's noir is a hard thing to throw your arms around in general because the probably the most proper description of it is it's an American film that was made. In a certain frame of time, and that's kind of debatable what it is, like 1938 to about 1955, and it's a melodrama. So there's nothing really more definitive than that. So a lot of noirs, a lot of people think of noirs as like gangster, crime, murder, things like that. But there's also these really wonderful wartime noirs. There's all, all these really just like... Uh, melodrama, like marriage melodramas and things like that. But there's always kind of this sense of you're kind of branching from collapse of optimism since the, uh, you know, the 1929 stock crash, you know, you're in the wake of World War One. Everybody's kind of not as black and white anymore. Everything's shades of gray, and so noir really focuses on that. And then World both War II literally hits, and figuratively, both shades of gray. Yes, <laughs> and there are a few color noirs that mm-hmm. come in into the fifties, but it's 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 very amorphous, and it's hard to put a really firm definition on it. But this, right. I feel, is like really pretty 
center of the Venn diagrams that have to cross to make noir. <laughs> to, to come up with a noir <laughs> like, status. Yeah, especially since Jacques Teneur, who is the director of this thing, um, he was a, um, a gentleman who... He was born in Paris. Uh, his father was a, a film director, too. And they moved to the U.S. together in 1913. And while... Jacques Turner was working in Hollywood. He he started working on films like a, as a second unit director and stuff. He was working on Tale of Two Cities in 1935, and he met a guy named Val Luton. Val Luton went on to become the head of the horror unit at RKO. Oh. And so it, in 1942, and um, since he already knew uh, Turner from uh, Tale of Two Cities, he hired Turner on as his first director. For okay. that unit, so that the the partnership between Val Luton and Turner is kind of legendary, at least in horror circles, because that's where some really weird horror movies started coming out. Because Universal had their monster movies, sort mm -hmm. of thing, but RKO started making these really strange, like psychosexual, really odd horror movies they had a very different flavor and uh probably probably the key one of that is cat people which is at some point we're gonna watch it for this podcast at the very least um dibs on being included on that I'm, oh yeah I, i'm not oh you'd love I'm, cat I'm, people okay you'd love cat people i mean i like cats i like people <laughs> i'm not i'll be the first to admit that kind of freaks me out a little bit because i feel like we're gonna combine them and have like the, the musical cat's happening, but whatever. Oh, I'm no, no musicals. I'm no on musicals. <laughs> but uh, it, it, Turner also did Out of the Past, which is uh, was one of the first episodes we ever did for this podcast. And a okay. uh, wonderful, old, uh, wonderful movie. Uh, very, uh, very much what people think of as noir. You know, lots of crime, lots of smoking. Mm -hmm. <laughs> It's just the, delightful. The, the, the lighting where it's like just the eyes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah totally. Totally. So, yeah, this this is, um, you know, be, beyond having Turner involved in this movie, there uh, a lot of the actors came, came from... Uh, everywhere. Everywhere. Yeah. Now, there are, like, Paul Lucas, who played Dr. Bernhardt. He was Hungarian, and he moved to Hollywood in 1927. Um, people who are fans of Hitchcock would recognize him from The Lady Vanishes. Okay. Uh, he was also in the Disney 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. Oh. Yes. So if you want to see you know, James Mason chew all the scenery, that's a good one. Um, but he won Best Actor Oscar for Watch on the Rhine, which is a movie I haven't seen yet. But he's this uh, delightful uh Delightful older actor kind of winds up in the doctor roles, mm -hmm. and uh, uh, he apparently passed away in Morocco while looking for a lovely place to retire. So he oh. kind of died a little too soon, which is too bad. And we have, uh, you know, Merle Oberon, the leading lady, was born in India, and uh, she came to the U.S. No, she she went first to. Uh, London when she was a teenager and started acting in films. Okay, and um, she kind of hit it big when she was in a movie called the, Scar the Scarlet Pimpernel. Oh, I think I've heard of that. Yeah, it's yeah. a delightful little movie. Yeah. It is really a, a fun little movie. Uh, uh, and she's wonderful in it. Uh, the whole cast in that movie is wonderful. But after she did that, 
she moved to the U.S. and she got nominated for Best Actress for her role in Dark Angel, which is another thing we'll probably watch for this podcast. But after she did Berlin Express in 1948, she she her career was rocking up until this movie, and then for some reason it just kind of stopped dead, and she didn't have another role for four years. Oh. And so she tried going into TV a little bit, but you know it's the way of women in Hollywood. As yeah. you start to show your age. You kind of get dropped to the side of the road. And uh, she passed away in the late 70s. But um, she was yeah. a dreamboat. Yeah, she's just lovely. And oh, my God, if you see Scarlet Pimpernel, they she's just, you know, like prime of life. <laughs> <laughs> she was she was lovely. And um, of course, you've got uh, Otto Valdis, who is the, the kind of ringleader of all the kidnappers, also an Austrian actor. His debut was in a Fritz Lang movie called M, which is, um, oh, like a proto-noir, if if it ever was one. It, it was a silent era. It's where Peter Lorre became a an actor of note. <laughs> but it, uh, further on in his career, he was in stuff like Judgment at Nuremberg and, of all things, The Attack of the 50-Foot Woman. Right, because that, yeah, yeah, that makes total of course. sense. Because <laughs> after the noir era, that's when you got the drive-in horror mo- movie era. Right. And it, I'll get to that in a moment. Um, anyway, out of all this, after he came to the U.S. in the 1940s, he mostly became a TV actor. So oh. he was he was in roles in all sorts of things. Like he was in Alfred Hitchcock Presents and, mm-hmm. you know, just, just about anybody who'd cast him. And... Uh, Oh, and he appears in Call Northside 777, which we did an uh, episode about, I don't know, like four or five episodes ago. Okay. Ooh. But anyway, he was originally going to be in Young Frankenstein. Mel Brooks is Young Frankenstein. Really? And he died like right before filming, <sighs> sadly. Bummer. But he was this fun little Austrian character actor who, as you could see in the movie, just could chew scenery pretty well yeah <laughs> but speaking going back to the the drive-in movie angle yes. of this that you know that wave coming right after the noir era there's a gentleman in here uh, in this movie in a playing a major he's credited in the movie as richard powers his real name is tom keen and he's possibly best known today as being from Plan 9 from Outer Space. Oh. Ed Wood's infamous, terrible, gloriously terrible Plan 9 from Outer Space. He plays Colonel Edwards in Plan 9. So, boy, that's a movie I've watched way too many times for my own good. (laughs) And uh, let's see. Oh, the lead dude, the American, is, is... Robert Ryan. So when I first saw him. Mr. Beefcake Hunk Face, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I totally, like, I glanced at him and I was like, oh, it's Jimmy Stewart. Oh. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, no, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, Robert Ryan has way too many dimples. Yeah. You know? Like, he, he has the chin dimple and everything. But he, uh, he's an interesting guy. He's really? all over the noir era. Okay. Uh, because he had this, he's super tall. He kind of has this imposing frame and he was often cast as villains. Or really? Or tough guys. 
So it's nice to see him as kind of a, a good guy here. So now was that prior to this movie or like after or both? Kind of before and after okay. because uh, he was in Crossfire in 1947, which was before this. And uh, um, the setup, which is a boxing movie uh, that noir is super, super hard. Uh, that came after this. Okay. And so he's like right in the middle of the thick of his career at this nice. point. But he was originally a, uh, he was a drill sergeant in the Marines uh, from 1944 to 1947. And then like acting. <laughs> Why not? Ta-da! <laughs> um, he was uh, for, as often as he played a villain, he was a civil rights activist. He was a pacifist. He was apparently a super nice guy. He was very anti-Joseph McCarthy. He fought against uh, the House American Un-American Activities Committee. Mm-hmm. Um, he unfortunately died relatively early. Uh, he he died in like the early seventies. He mm. was planning to marry Maureen O'Sullivan, and then like keeled over from cancer one day. God. Um, yeah. Which is Sucks. very sad. But he he was in just tons of movies. He was in Bad Day at Black Rock, which is this wonderfully noir western that, uh, once again, we need to do an ep- episode about. He was in a movie called The Naked Spur. It's great. Uh, Odds Against Tomorrow, which is this really bonkers early 50s noir directed by Robert Wise, starring Harry Belafonte. Oh. And a set of, and a xylophone. And it's... <laughs> It's it's wonderful. It's wonderful. Anyway, Robert Ryan is uh, is a guy who's a lot of fun to watch. So yeah, that's oh oh, and uh, Reinhold Schunzel, who plays Professor Walther in the movie, is a film director. Actually, oh really? He was the guy who in 1933 made a little movie called Victor and Victoria, oh. which was later remade in the 1970s as Victor Victoria, starring Julie Andrews. Yeah. Play, you know, doing some cross dressing. So, yeah, there's that, too. Wow. <laughs> yeah, just interesting people in the movie and That's... in an interesting place. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's so cool. I love this movie. And um, it's I'm so delighted that it's finally available because the first time I saw it, it was on Turner Classic Movies one night. It was like at <laughs> two in the morning. You just I, were awake. I just yep. I was awake and I just, um, this must be 15 years ago at least. And so I'm watching Turner Classic Movies and uh, they start playing this movie and I'm watching it going, what the hell is this? <laughs> what is, this is, this is cool. Oh, oh, I love this. Of course, not available anywhere, anywhere at the time. <sighs> But a few years ago, uh, Warner Arch- Archives started really pumping up their their production and making a lot of stuff available out of the, you know, out of the um, more obscure catalog that they have. And this was one of the titles. And of course, I think this was the first movie I bought from uh, Warner Archives. Okay. Yeah. So it's like, oh yay, Warner Archives! Thank you. <laughs> now I can show it to other people. Yay! Yay! So yeah, did you have any other any other thoughts or? Um, um, let me, let me check my notes. Yeah, I don't yeah, have yeah. nearly the level of notes that you do. No, we can totally um, just, just talk about the actual movie. Too, I know. You know. <laughs> I, I loved how at the very beginning, 
I, I was a little bit, con- I was a little confused because like there's, you know, like a guy talking over it and mm-hmm. then there's a lot of like French and then it like, you know, German and stuff like that. And I was like, ah, crap, I don't speak any of those languages. But I, like the dude who was doing the, the, the voiceover was, he kicked in enough that I could understand what was going on. So mm-hmm. I was like, excellent, good. <laughs> I would be interested to watch this with people who speak those languages and actually have them translate it and be like, this is what they're saying. Um, but at the very beginning, like, they're at the Eiffel Tower and there's this dove. What you think. <laughs> oh, what, God, yes. Oh, God, what, yes. What you think is, like, the dove of peace flying around and then suddenly you hear a bang and you see this white bird fall Just... to the ground and this small group of children <laughs> run over and you find out it's not a dove, it's a pigeon. And then... <laughs> I love this scene These so much. Kids pick up this pigeon and start doing a funeral processional for it. Like, you got a little kid in front who's got these two sticks that he made into a cross. And, like, one kid's carrying it. And there's a couple people, a couple kids behind. And they're very somber in what mm-hmm. they're doing and very serious about it. And then, like, you, they run into one of their moms who picks up the bird and goes, Huh, all right. Stuffs it in her bag. And it's like, dinner time. Dinner. It's dinner. They eat the bird a piece. <laughs> oh my God. It's so arch and I love it so much. And oh. The line is the, the dove a piece was a pigeon, a dead pigeon. <laughs> I just love it so much. It's so over the top. I mean, there is a point to it because oh, yeah, it's actually yeah, yeah. a carrier pigeon and so it sort of starts like the plot line and everything. So it's not just a random pigeon that's being eaten, but it's still just a delight. Yes. <laughs> oh, God, I love it so much. Yeah. yeah. It, like I said, this movie noir is so yeah. hard at times. Oh, <laughs> it's yes. It's really overt. But going back to the languages, that's one of the things I love about this movie. It's it, it kind of just throws you in there yeah. and expects you to keep up. Mm-hmm. It doesn't subtitle anything. Um, and you can kind of get the meaning of things right. by how the characters react. And, you know, if it's really important, they'll spell yeah. it out. But, but yeah, there's it's German and French and Russian and just any everything thrown in. Mm-hmm. Accents galore. And, yes. And, um, and pretty sure almost all the extras like the the tiny extras are all like military mps that they threw in an outfit and oh said. I, I would think so because there are some really flat line readings out of people who have just one line <laughs> yes i will take you there mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yep okay good uh, yeah. <laughs> that was the line yes uh-huh. thank you thank you frank <laughs> okay yep oh, moving on uh, just, yep just Next scene. Yeah, a lot of the MPs you see were um, uh, were the segment of MPs who were like first into Paris after mm. D Day, and they were on they they were on the beach in Normandy. I think they're still like that regiment. I don't know my military stuff. I think they're still they're still active today. Really? But yeah, but a lot of those guys were really really the folks who were in the thick of it. Yeah, and they're like, oh, we're in a Hollywood movie. <laughs> I can't act or damn. <laughs> well, but that doesn't matter. Oh, yeah. And how great. Okay, first of all, Merle Ober- Oberon's feathers at the end of the <laughs> She started with the delightful feathers. Yeah. And then she ends with those delightful yeah. feathers. And, like. You can tell that that 
they were not in a real car because that that ceiling <laughs> was like raised to accommodate those feathers. Yep. <laughs> but also the uh, speaking about noiring so hard, seeing the murder happen in the reflection on the other train uh, as it's going by. Okay, I have to admit when the dude when he sees the. When he sees the reflection, <laughs> he runs to the window. To get a closer look at the to reflection. To get a close... I was like, you are right next to the door that you can use to exit your car to go next door to where this murder is attempting to happen. But you go the other direction. <laughs> and I love, like, at times, you know, Merle over and standing in front of the reflection, and you're going, no! I just, just need you to move, like, three inches. Just... Three inches. I mean, that, that the, you know, shooting the reflection thing is an, uh, an old Hitchcock trick. And I think he got it from Fritz Lang. And you, you've seen, I've seen it in movies that predate this one. And I've seen it done a little bit better than this <laughs> one. But it's so much fun. It's like, how, how absolutely arch can we get about this with the, oh, pulling down the shade doesn't work. I suppose we're on a train. It's okay. I can murder you anyway. But no, no, the reflection is there. and cues the American to run in and save the day. <sighs> oh, my God. Oh, it's so... It's daffy and delightful, and I love it. Yes, yes. <laughs> I also enjoyed uh, the doctor at one point in time where he was like, yeah, my doctor said that I should only smoke 10 cigarettes a day. <laughs> yes. And, I, and then he pulls out, like, these giant cigarettes that are three times the size of what everybody else is smoking and goes, mm. but he didn't say what size. <laughs> yes. But then it becomes a plot point yes! later. It's amazing. <laughs> But the lady smoking that giant cigarette takes like two puffs and then mashes it out. It's like, what are you doing, lady? Those things are a premium. <laughs> yeah, I mean, my gosh, they say that, you know, they said that they were like, um, there was one girl, um, I think it was kind of towards the beginning when they were in the, um, after they'd been taken off the train and they were attempting to get back on the train and you know she's with somebody and it's just like in passing and she's like some her her compadre is handing out a cigarette and she's like whoa 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 what are you trying to do increase the inflation of those or something <laughs> and i was just like well, it kind of makes sense you know you can't just that's that's how they trade and that's what their currency kind of is so yeah it's, can't just... it was like me in prison you know you trade for cigarettes mm -hmm. and, i mean no lie that's actually what happened i uh had a german teacher in in high school no lie he he was a little child during the era of the third reich and he grew up in germany and remembers the airdrops and everything oh man and uh he he would talk about in class you know you know scavenging the cigarettes out of the gutter and trying to resell them and, and wow. stuff like that Real deal. Yeah. But yes, I, I did have a German teacher who actually was in Nazi Germany when he was a child. Not not that that's... Well, it's funny, but it's not funny, but it is funny. Right. I, it's funny to me. <laughs> how free... I mean, like, realistically, how often are you actually going to come across a German teacher who had... You know, who just happens to have those circumstances? Yes. So, yes. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. German teacher. Real mm -hmm. German. Mm -hmm. Like, legit German. German. Legit German. <laughs> he wasn't carrying around a piece of paper signed by Adolf Hitler. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, 
So anyway, uh, let's see. Any other any other thoughts? Um, I real so there it the, it was mentioned at two different points in time where it's like the that people will only unite when there's um a common crisis for them, mm-hmm. and uh you know like the bad guy says it and he was like if you were a real German you would know this and that. so this is why we want to unite ourselves and because it's a common crisis and our common enemy is everybody else type of a deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then like at the very end, that's what like the doctor who's trying to like you know, bring about peace for everybody. He's yeah. like, oh, well, you know, I, I I wish that we could all come together, but maybe, maybe we can't, you know, maybe that's something that isn't going to happen as all of, as you have the German driving away, as you have the French driving away, as you have the American driving mm-hmm. away. And then at that very last minute, the German guy goes back and picks up the business card that the American had given him yeah. as like a, because he, you know, he'd thrown it away to begin with um, mm-hmm. as sort of like a, a second thought and like, okay, well, maybe I do need to. And I, I love that part at the very end because it's just like, oh, people are inherently good, even, <laughs> yeah. even if some of them aren't, and but more than are aren't. And, you know, like it's not going to call it, it's not going to take a crisis or con- common enemy to bring people together and mm-hmm. so it's just like good job yeah, like, good job movie <laughs> good job movie people <laughs> we're not gonna unite until we find somebody to fight on mars yeah <laughs> yeah 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 i think is one of the lines yeah oh yeah it's a it's a good little movie i really really enjoy that one i'm so yes. happy to share it with you yes 10 hooray. of 10 would watch again yes hooray success so barb um the next movie we are going to watch, we are going to follow. Yeah. Prepare yourselves, people. We are going to follow a thread from this movie. We are going to follow the Robert Ryan train. Woo, woo. I am on board. All right. Let's right. do this. We are going to watch a movie called The Setup next time. And it should be fairly easy for uh, you listeners to go watch. And it's only an hour long. So bonus. It's a compact little hour. So I am very excited to show it to you for our next episode. Yay! So dear listeners, find a copy of The Setup with Robert Ryan and we will join you next time. Thank you for joining us, Barb. Thank you! Yay! Bye! We hope you enjoy our film fixation. We'll see you next time on A Noir Education. Thank you for joining us for A Real Education Noir. New episodes arrive on the 7th and 21st of every month. You can find our podcasts and social media feeds on our website at realedunoir.com. Special thanks to Tim Wick, Jeffrey Brown, and Chad Dutton for our theme music. If you like our show, you might also like our parent podcast, A Real Education, which discusses all genres of film. You can find it on the web at realedu.com. Thank you for listening. Until next time. That's right. The dove of peace was a pigeon. A dead pigeon.